Uh, well, welcome everybody. This is the Fit Community Project, and uh, I'm here as always with uh, co-host and owner of Pioneer Valley Community Fitness, Ian. Yep, Ian. And uh, we're joined today by Chris Landry, uh, who is I would describe as um, uh, an outspoken citizen with respect to the Black Lives Matter movement. Is that sort of a fair way to say it, Chris? It is a fair way to say it. Yeah, I feel as a white man that I have a responsibility to speak to other white folks about what's going on in this moment. Right. And it, and it seems to me in looking at especially your Facebook feed that you're doing a lot of listening and learning and um, as opposed to leading and preaching. Well, yeah. And uh, thanks. That's, you know, that's, that's the job. And for me, this has been something I've had the really good fortune of learning from really amazing people, um, black and white and um, others. And, but yeah, our job as white people right now is to be supporting, lifting up the message of the movement for black lives, particularly, uh, mm -hmm. and to not be coming up with our own interpretations and messages and demands, but just to be in a place where we step back, which we're not necessarily used to, and just us putting those voices in the center. Mm. That, that's, that's well put and well framed. And uh, I think with respect to today's conversation, and we could go a number of different ways, but I think there are two broad things that we want to talk about, or at least I, I want to talk about. You know, one is sort of what's happening, uh, what's happening locally with respect to the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and how PVCF uh, and its members can uh, join in and help. Um, and then the second topic is sort of what, in particular, a, um, a, a fitness community can do uh, in terms of making itself a, um, a voice for this kind of change, uh, both promoting it inside, uh, inside the gym and, and outside. I think those are sort of the two broad categories. Ayn, does that make about sense about right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and Chris, you are also... Um, you're also a member of the Pioneer Valley uh, Community Fitness. Yeah, I've been uh, a participant in the fitness prescribed uh, program for about a year. Mm -hmm. and it's been over a year. Right? It's been a year or two years. It's getting close to two years. Uh, it's almost two years. See, I can't yeah. keep track of time anymore. Uh, and it's been, it's been completely transformative for me. It's been an incredible part of my life. Now, Chris and I have been friends for a long time, and what I would normally say now is something like, "Well, do you, ever, you know, when do you expect to start seeing gains?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this, is exactly, this is exactly what he would normally have said. Uh, <laughs> right, but uh, we're not. Thank goodness we're we're uh, not going there today. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, so. Um, you know, so, so generally, you know, I, I, the way I would kind of frame up that the sort of first topic about um, what's happening locally, um, and I think Chris has already kind of hit it, but, um, you know, I, I don't think we want to talk about, you know, defending what is happening. Um, I think we're past that, you know, I mean, I think that, um, and we're even talking about the protests are happening and they're going to continue and we should do that, you know, but we're talking about concretely what is in the works um, that the protests and that this movement has cleared the way for, um, and as Chris has kind of kind of already said, we're sort of in the context of you know three white people in a small, very liberal enclave, 
Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have work to do and we don't have a part to play, um, although maybe a supporting role. Um, so the, you know, in, in looking at the way I've kind of caught up with going on locally, frankly, is by, by reading up on, on Chris's Facebook feed, which is a, which is a, a great place to do it. Um, and, um, the, the first thing I saw was that, you know, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the first movement has come around, um, sort of, um, there was a city council, uh, budget meeting and then Mayor Narkowitz made a, um, made a statement. And can you kind of just give us an idea of, of how the movement is moving through the local politics of Northampton, the city council, the mayor and the, and the police? Yeah, I can speak on behalf of me and other uh, white people in Northampton who are supporting what's going on, but Northampton is a relatively small city with a low crime rate. And in the last three years, the, the police budget has gone up by about 20%. And over the last 10 years, it's gone up by, I think, about 40%. And that's happening in cities across the country where uh, there have been more military equipment, more tactical gear being provided to forces from the federal government, and, uh, and some justification for you know, more training. We need more training um, and things like that. But what folks are saying now is, no, we need to disinvest from police departments and reinvest in mental health services, addiction programs, providing housing for people, uh, better education, all of the things that, um, as those programs have been defunded across the country in budgets, municipal and state and federal budgets, more burden has been placed on police departments to respond to situations that they're not the most appropriate responders to. So that's what people are asking for, is that we look at these, in many cities, very, very bloated budgets. Um, Northampton's is not as large as a percentage of the budget. Uh, some cities like San Francisco, it's more than half of the municipal budget. I mean, it's just wild. My God. Um, I believe. And, and across the country, police department total spending is bigger than most countries' military budgets. So we're spending a lot of money and we're not really any safer by and large. And certainly black people are not any safer. So that's been the demand is that Northampton um, respond to this moment and listen. And last week there were two budget hearings and it was hours and hours, seven hours each night, I believe, of testimony, hundreds of, of people. It was an unprecedented uh, calling out to the city council to listen and respond and make change. And last night there was a third hearing in which they took a vote and I believe they um, gave the first approval to the budget while telling the mayor, we're doing this at the same time that we're demanding that you work with us to, to create real structural change in how we think about public safety. Wow. Okay. Let's, let's kind of uh, pick that apart first. And I want to just circle back a little bit. I, I just want to make sure we're, I don't want to define the goal. Um, although we kind of have to frame this and I, I kind of am thinking of this as, as the goal coming out of the black lives movement is to dismantle a system that is systematically and um, systemically racist. Is that, mm -hmm. is that a fair way of saying what these, these, what's happening in Northampton and around the country? Is that sort of what we're ultimately getting at? Yeah, and again, I'll speak for myself, um, but what, what I say is you know, there's 
two sides of an argument. There's all cops, cops are bastards on one side, and then there's not all cops on the other side. And how I think about it is that that's not relevant. Like this is not about individual hearts of individual cops because it is the system itself that's inherently structurally racist. Policing in the US has its roots in protecting uh, the property and lives of white people. And that really hasn't changed very much. So one of the things, one of the things that white folks often want to do is make racism about what's in our hearts. Because um, then I can let myself off the hook. It's like, oh yeah, I don't say anything bad. I have a good heart. I have good intentions. I'm okay. I don't have to get involved. Well, no, that's not enough because we have to be actively anti-racist. We have to help dismantle the systems of oppression that uh, have been built up even in, you know, liberal places like Northampton. Right. And go ahead, Ian. No, yeah. I mean, it, it's Northampton is not immune to it. Yeah, I think that's right. And so, and so coming back to, you know, concretely what's happening. Um, so there were, there were, there have been a couple of city council meetings uh, and has the, has there been, I'm not sure if I understood you that was there was a has a budget passed the the and I'm learning about the budgeting process as we go along I haven't been um, actively involved in a lot of the city government um, process over the years um, the budget requires two readings uh, which it means two votes of approval and so last night I believe I went to bed but I believe that they they gave the first approval. And what the several city council members said to the mayor is uh, next week or whenever, the week after, when, when it comes back for final approval, we want you to bring with you some preliminary ideas about how we can change the uh, city structure of public safety. So what services can we take out of the police department and put them into a, what would be a whole new department um, and, and then there'd be the possibility of reallocating budget funds mid-year. So that's where we're at. The, 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 very soon the budget for the next fiscal year will be approved. City council members, uh, some of them are saying, you know, you have to work with us on this. And the yeah. mayor said last night that he was willing to do that. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, in, in looking through and kind of following, um, again, through your Facebook feed, which is how I've kind of learned about this, um, it, it sounds like, if I, if I understand it correctly, that the, the budget, the approval of the budget is happening so close to the beginning of the fiscal year that it's hard to make wholesale huge systemic changes you know, a few weeks before the budget is going to be enacted. And so we're kind of pretty far down the line of what I assume is the mayor presenting a budget to the city council and the city council reviewing it and approving it. And, and so what the city council is doing in response to this great outpouring is um, doing a few things that they can now with, with respect to the budget, but also kind of laying in a hard marker that we're going to be reviewing this over the, over the short term? Yep. Yeah, that's it. The, I think that's one of the changes that's going to have to happen in the budgeting process is that you need more time before the budget is submitted 
and when the next fiscal year starts so you can have enough public debate and have the mayor go back to the drawing board if necessary. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the situation. So last night, um, a number of the city council members said, we want, um, we don't want to just make a report. We want to work together, the, the city council and the mayor to basically redefine how we're going to ensure public safety. Mm -hmm. yep. What's your sense of what, what sort of specific things, let me, let me back up a little bit. Is this a move to what has been generally called defunding the police is sort of the, the, what the sort of the catchphrase that's caught on is this essentially what that looks like? Yeah. I mean, my sense is that different people have different interpretations and definitions of, of what that means. Um, some people are saying we need to abolish police departments and uh, because they don't make us safer, safer, and we need to think about an entirely different way. Some people, I think, are saying, you know, we need to cut their budgets in half to force them to focus on their core mission and put the other half of money into um, mental health services and uh, homelessness and domestic violence programs, because police aren't always... Um, or even very often the most appropriate people. They're not trained. They may have a few hours or a few workshops and those things, but they're not the most appropriate people. We've seen that time again to respond to a mental health crisis. You know, um, I mean, we've, we've had situations around here. There was a man in Brattleboro, you know, a few years ago going through some kind of episode uh, holding a knife and he was shot dead by police. Um, <coughs> Oh, edit. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find it before. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so that sort of for I mean I mean you know in, in in a couple of questions about that. One is for our listeners, for people in the box who care about this stuff, who who want to be actively anti-racist and want to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, what can they do? How can they best follow what's happening in the local budget and have their voice be heard? Well, what I've been doing is there's a, um, a group called 413 Stay Woke or something like that on Facebook. I'll, I'm going to look it up. Um, uh, 413 Stay Woke, Stay Active. Um, and, and that's a good place to learn. Um, and, and most importantly, it's a good place to listen and listen to the conversations and listen to um, what's being said by black people and other people of color in the area. Um, and then there's very local organizations. Showing Up for Racial Justice is um, a national organization of white people who are not just talking, but are taking action. Um, and there is a local chapter, and so there are a bunch of organizations, but I think people should follow um, Northampton Media. They, they broadcast all of the official meetings of the city, um, and, you know, there are counterparts in all of the cities and towns around here. So, yeah, I think we're all being called to get off the sidelines because it's really easy to make a Facebook post and express our outrage. Um, and it's also easy to express our outrage about the killing of a man in another state 
but it's much harder to hold people who may be friends of ours accountable if they're the mayor or a city council member, right? Right in our own town. So we have to really be willing to make ourselves uncomfortable and make our friends uncomfortable, right? Because being comfortable has contributed to where we are today. Because we're, it's really awkward to speak up when the mayor is your friend or you're in the same social circles as a city council member who maybe hasn't done enough. Um, so what I'm doing personally is I'm pushing through that discomfort. And, you know, there's a way I think of it as um, similar to what we do at CrossFit, which is where we find our edge and where we are uncomfortable and we push through it. And so for me, when I post on Facebook um, about what's happening in the local community, it's not a comfortable thing. Like I'm not doing that for attention. Um, I don't really want the attention, but I feel a responsibility to say, hey, I'm a white man with privilege. Uh, if I don't speak up, then what use am I? You know, mm -hmm. so I, I'm pushing through that discomfort every time I speak up. And I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and, and my professional work is, is almost entirely related to justice movements and, um, and still it's uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, in, I appreciate that you're not only, I mean, obviously you speak up and social media is a platform, but you're actively engaging with these groups and you're actually actively attending the city council meetings or well, virtually at this point. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's one step. So what are some other things that locally people are actually taking action, like that are taking action on, um, where do you see this moving forward? Um, beyond just posting on Facebook, because I think that has its own need, but also like limit. Yeah. So what I what we heard last night is the city council and mayor both committing to um, having publicly um, driven uh, change efforts. So we're going to need local folks, Northampton people, to attend those meetings, sign up for committees, whatever opportunities there are to, to, to get into the details because um, a lot of it's gonna be in the details. And you know we need to look at how police union contracts are made. Um, because again, it's not about you know, uh, good cops and bad cops, it's about the structural things. And the police union contact, contract is one of those things. And so what's in it and does it, um, does it protect um, officers who, who don't abide by regulations? Um, you know, union contracts sometimes do that and police contracts uh, definitely do that in different places. So we're gonna need people to get involved. It's not exciting stuff, but it's necessary stuff. Is it, is it fair to say, I mean, I think that there's, there's a theme that, that comes out of what is happening, which is that there's an authoritarian culture that has to be in place in tandem with a racist culture and that part of addressing systemic racism is individuals lots and lots and lots of individuals actively communicating with their leaders to make their leaders responsive to the 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 popular to the populace to the people as opposed to it being dictated down to the people that this is how we're going to do things. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, yeah. And so in connection with that, 
the ideas that people need to be more democratic, meaning be actively part of the political system, learn who your council member is, learn who your mayor is, learn where their Twitter feed is, where they're, you know, where they put out their statements and how you can talk and communicate your opinion to them. Right. Right. Because if we don't do that, then stuff happens. You know, for example, um, Northampton, this place we think of in a certain light, um, sent police officers to chain with the organization of uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, you know, out, I think from Arizona, who is a blatantly racist and white supremacist uh, sheriff. And why is that happening, you know, with our tax dollars? So, yeah, we need to, we need to get off the couch. And I think it's exciting. I mean, to me, to see millions of people defy curfew orders um, and just march on the street, it's really an awakening. Now, should it have happened, you know, uh, when Trayvon Martin was killed or uh, Michael Brown, of course, you know, but, but now it's happening and maybe it's a combination of the pandemic and massive unemployment and a fascist in the White House or whatever you happen to think. But I think a lot of things came together and sparked this movement. And it is movement, I think it's very exciting. And I think there's, there's a real possibility of change. Um, but the risk is that politicians are going to say, are gonna co-opt it and give us symbols. And they're gonna take a knee, you know, we saw some of the Democratic leaders take a knee the other day and they'll pose for pictures. And then they'll actually oppose what the movement for black lives is demanding and they'll promise more reform and they've been doing that my whole life you know my whole life and um so we have to to be resistant to having to be being placated with symbolic moves that don't amount to radical change um because i'm okay we're all okay you know um tony i think you know the story of one night we um we were at the tunnel bar and our friend was mixing the drinks. I only had one, but I was driving home and was pulled over by an officer. And he asked me for my license. I handed it to him. And he said, sir, that's your debit card. And, and you know, I, I kind of chuckled and I gave him my license. But if I, and I knew right in that moment, if I were a black man, he wouldn't have let me off with a warning. I would have be, I would be out on the, you know, standing up on the street and uh, with my hands behind the back, most likely. And that was, it was just a sloppy mistake, but still, you know, we get away with stuff. Um, I showed up, and this was after, long after 9-11, but I showed up at Bradley Airport one morning. I had a flight to San Francisco to meet with clients, and I realized I didn't have my driver's license with me. And the TSA agent said, well, what do you have? And I pulled out some credit cards, and he laughed. He said, oh, you have more cards than I do. Have a good day. And, you know, so what I'm saying is that, that the system works for us. And so it's our responsibility to make sure it works for everyone else. Yeah. Well said. Mm -hmm. Well said. Um, you know, I, uh, I want to hit a few, a few other topics and then, and then, and then pivot to, to you know, fitness itself. But uh, you also referred in your, your, um, your uh, Facebook feed to, uh, uh, the, I think it's m4bl.org had a post about invest, divest, and um, that's a, uh, you might describe sort of what, 
what that website is and what it's all about. And I kind of want to ask you about, you know, they list the things that, that they, that they indicate need to be done. And we've hit on some of them, but maybe just a quick reaction to the, to the number of things that we'll list. But do you, do you, are you, are you conversant with, with what M4BL is and what they do? That's the movement for black lives. That's, that's the movement that is, uh, came out of the black, uh, lives matter, um, hashtag and everything else. And so they're doing a lot of coordination around the country. And um, I mean, honestly, I've looked at, at those, that list of demands, but um, I haven't studied them and I don't have them memorized or anything like that. Well, that's, that's all right. I've got them yeah. written down. Okay, cool. <laughs> but no, I mean, and we're not, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm not testing you. I'm just, it, I think it's worth saying that, that this is the, <clears throat> this is the movement for black lives. This is from, them and our job is to listen and and here's what 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 they listed i think i have six and i'll kind of just read them they they talk about the things that need to be done as <clears throat> reallocating funds from the police and from jails um to more long-term safety strategies of education restorative justice and employment that's number one and and i suspect that the biggest one uh other things that they want to do is decriminalize uh drugs and reinvest into restorative services related to drug use and, and, and abuse. Um, let people, um, uh, let people out of jail who are in jail for, you know, drug possession, things like that. Uh, three is, uh, universal healthcare, uh, which really ties into, you know, we're a fitness organization and it's very clear that, um, you know, healthcare is, um, uh, is a racial issue in this country. Uh, then interestingly, um, well, number four, comprehensive education. And, and it sounds like what they're referring to is an education that, that's for everyone that provides wraparound services um, and allows everyone to have a real chance at education. And by the way, one of the things they list is having high quality food in the school system. Uh, again, uh, a tie into to the fitness community, uh, and then divest fossil fuels um, and cut the military budget are uh, are five and six. Um, thoughts or comments about that, Chris? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of my work is related to climate justice. I, I consult with foundations and grassroots organizations, and um, climate justice is related to environmental justice and. Um, black and indigenous people are on the front lines of climate change. I mean, look at New Orleans and look at Richmond, California, where um, I shot a film there and they live in the shadow of the largest um, the, the greenhouse gas emitter in the state. There's a Chevron refinery there that, that had an explosion in 2012 that sent 15,000 um, people, mostly low income, mostly people of color to the hospital, 15,000 people. Um, so fossil fuel plants, infrastructures, often in places where poor people live, black people live. Um, so food and climate and pollution, all of that is related. And, you know, one of the things we're going to have to look at also is how we fund our schools. Um, the idea that local property taxes should be the source of our school funding. I mean, here we are. I'm sitting in Northampton. I can go, what, 10 miles to Holyoke or less, and they have um, 
much less spending per student on education. And that's because we fund it based on local property taxes. And so what does that do? It just perpetuates the economic divide um, between wealthy people and poor people, which is another way of saying white people and black people. You know, right. um, the Boston Globe a couple of years ago said that the, the median wealth, and I'm not gonna have the exact number of black families in, in Boston was $13. And it wasn't a misprint, you know, it was, um, it was an enormous wealth gap. And part of it is perpetuated. I mean, it has long roots. And we could go on and on, but it has long roots going back to redlining, where banks were not giving out loans to black families um, and things like that. But it's been perpetuated by the way that we fund schools. And we have to change that. I'll tell you a, a quick story about that. When that issue came up when I was at law school, um, one of the students, white student, of course, raised his hand and said, I don't get it. If they don't like their school system, why don't they just move? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a black woman, a mother doing time right now because she, her daughter's school was so terrible. She, she lied to say that she lived somewhere else and she was sent away for five years or seven years or something. And there's not a parent I know who wouldn't have done the same. I would have done the same for my kids. Um, and it's outrageous that, that we're doing it that way. You know, the gap in Massachusetts and liberal Massachusetts in, in education spending is appalling. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things we have to address for sure. Right. right. Yeah. And knowledge uh, is power. We know that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So a few, a few takeaways. Uh, I think one is, is that we have to be active. We have to directly connect with our local council members, our mayors, our state reps, our, 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 our state senators, our national reps and senators, and uh, populate this change and follow it in detail and make sure that it happens. Uh, I think another takeaway maybe is again coming back to the top is 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 listen and understand that our uh, our job is not to to lead this but to listen to the to the leaders in the Black Lives uh, Matter movement and understand uh, that our job is to support the changes that that they want to make and that they're they're leading us towards. I mean, I would also, I mean, I don't know if this is just my own take, but even just going a step backwards is that um, we're assuming we're talking to people who are willing to take action or like who have recognized that, that something needs to be done. Um, and then there's still, I mean, there's obviously a group of people who are not even going to hear at all and um, are going to make no change. Um, but if the majority of us can and, um, but still to continuously look inward to yourself and recognize all the different areas in your life where you're either have the privilege that you do or recognizing things that are not uh, equal or you see those racist moments or recognize the little sayings and the things that, that are happening in your own life all around you. I think you have to you have to open your eyes a little bit more to recognize that it's it's like you're swimming in it. You're born into it. You're swimming in it, um, and and then you know feeling a little more 
like, hey, we can take some action. I mean, you've got to do both. While you're listening, you also got to kind of look inward. That's my take on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think of it as a, a kind of a, um, a healing process for white people. You know, I was born with two things. I was born with the wrong size hamstrings and, <laughs> and, and I was born white, right? And neither one of those is my fault. And so when we go to the gym, we have the body we have, we have the ability we have, and we have to accept that and breathe into it, right? And just drop the defenses and drop the excuses and show up and do the best we can. And maybe, you know, right now you can do three pull-ups. Um, uh, and, and then maybe in six months you're going to be able to do five, but it's where you are. And for white people, there's a lot of defensiveness coming up. And I think that we need to have compassion for that, um, for, for the defensiveness in ourselves, and, but also uh, for the defensiveness in our friends and others. And I really do think that it's an opportunity, like when, when I feel defensive because white people are being called out and I, was, I wanna defend myself, to do what we do is take a breath, and let it go and get curious about what's going on in my body and see if there's a learning opportunity there. And I really think that um, it brings up defensiveness. Sometimes it brings up anger. Sometimes it brings up grief. Mm -hmm. And we need to process that because, um, you know, we have 400 years in this country of white supremacy that benefits me. And, you know, I can feel like a, a a jerk, you know, for that. But I don't, because I've, I've done enough of this work where I've accepted that. And so it's quite liberating on the other end of it. It's very liberating. Um, and, and then when we get through it and we drop the defensiveness and we do that personal work, then we can act and act in solidarity with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and we can do that as a, as a gym. We can do that as a community. We can do that just as um, people who love one another. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I think becoming, I mean, I would like to tie it back into fitness a little bit and, or like just, you know, physical movement is that when you really start becoming, you have a practice with it, whether, you know, a, some kind of training methodology or movement or whatever, there's a certain level of like being present. And like you, what you said was feeling the emotions and the things, those feelings, like if you're, if if you're starting to feel your blood pressure go up because you're feeling defensive of these things is like being able to actually just pause is sometimes seems so simple. And we, we do need to like, just, we're all reacting really tensely right now. And um, some people are getting really angry, but they're probably not really thinking about what's happening inside them. And as to ask, just to ask why. Yep. Right. Yep. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate that to kind of how we could help, I think people who are willing to do that with other areas of their life are going to be a little more open to these moments as well. Yeah, that's well said. And it's a, it's a pretty good segue into talking about uh, what's happening at uh, Pioneer Valley Community Fitness and uh, what, uh, what we can do um, to foster the Black Lives Matter movement um, in the box and, and in the area of, of fitness overall. Uh, and I guess we have to start with um, with the, the the huge news coming out of CrossFit, 
Um, and really the first thing maybe that, that I and you have done is, is we have uh, Pioneer Valley uh, Community Fitness used to be Pioneer Valley CrossFit. And we have uh, Ian with your leadership. We are no longer affiliated with uh, CrossFit because um, the owner and founder, Greg Glassman, um, has uh, made some uh, incendiary comments that uh, we just could not stand. Um, Ian, do you want to kind of say a word about where we, we stand with respect to that? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty easy decision in that like the you know over a course of about 48 hours it seemed like a and you had said this a line was drawn in the sand and it was really clear where we stood and um we took action to distance ourselves from something that was just not who we were um not who our greater community is and um just just was absolutely disgusting on, on so many different levels, like so many things. I mean, we can, I don't want to go too deep into it. It was yeah. more than just one statement. Yeah. yeah. If I may, Ian, um, just so that, you know, if people who are listening, who, who, you know, are, are at our box, but don't follow the, the headlines of the news. Um, I want to try to kind of give a couple of, of, of facts. I don't want to editorialize it, but um, there was a, uh, a, a tweet um, where a statistical analysis group indicated that they wanted to um, illuminate the public health impacts of systemic racism. And um, in response to that, um, Greg Glassman uh, tweeted Floyd-19, conflating COVID-19 with Floyd-19. Um, in other, uh, other things that have come out is that he, on a Zoom call, he said that the killing of George Floyd had nothing to do with a race. Uh, and then there was, um, there's, a, more, there's definitely more in there. Were, there were some more things, yeah. but, but that's, those are, those are, that's enough. Um, well, and so, I mean, here, and here's more how I look at it. It was granted. And this is just for my, like the overall CrossFit world is that a really long period of time of kind of poor leadership, lack of communication with affiliates, um, making some really questionable decisions, then the pandemic, really no more leadership, no real support, even just even emotional support and inspiration, nothing. And then, then this is then the Black Lives Matter thing and the George Floyd instance and silence, dead silence. And then the email of an affiliate who has worked really hard to make LGBTQ issues and trans issues inclusive in the CrossFit world and with pretty good success after a big mental shift for the CrossFit world over the course of several years, wrote in to them and was basically, this is why I'm de-affiliated and I'm really uncomfortable with your silence. And then getting a misogynistic, laced, um, gaslighting, horrific PR email back from Glenn Glassman and then still more silence on the issue, then that tweet, then another tweet, more silence, and then that Zoom call leaking out, more silence, and then finally saying something. So it was, it was the whole series of everything and being where we are, like the affiliates are, I see it as we are not, a lot of us who are already probably more established, probably have a better sense of branding, 
um, for ourselves and know that we can rest on our communities. We're like, we don't need you to for this. Like, we do not want to be a part of anything more divisive. Um, we don't stand for this. And what are you doing for us right now? You're not doing anything to help us and you're making everything worse. And um, granted, and this is, and this is alienating uh, people in our community. So no, no more. Um, yeah. so but that- by the way, I, I, there's, there's, there is a, an amount of courage that, 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 that is required to do that. And we shouldn't overlook that. Um, you know, certainly Northampton is a place where you're likely to get um, support and you're going to get, you're certainly going to get platitudes on Facebook for having made this decision, but walking away from a, a brand that, that has been, you know, grown so fast and has become so global and is so recognizable um, can have negative effects on your business. And honestly, there are plenty of people who look at the Black Lives Matter movement and they think that it's overblown. They don't believe that there's systemic racism. They don't believe that change has to happen. And they may not want to go to a, a, a gym where that's, um, where you're, you're vocally supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. So there, there is some amount of courage that, and, and risk that you are taking. Yeah. And I mean, and Chris and I talked about this yesterday. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really am genuinely, my mission is to make sure everyone feels like this is a safe place for them. Everyone, right. It's, it's always been a lot easier for people on that other spectrum who, who, um, to feel comfortable, like police officers, military and stuff like that. And I really do try and I want, I mean, I, I do feel like I, I make them welcome but it hasn't always been welcome for the people of color in our community. And I think it, it, and that's been stated to me many times by some specific individuals. And, um, and there's lots of reasons why, because of the culture, um, you know, and, and, and whatnot, but, um, and I can't speak for them, but the, it, it's more about making sure that my space is controlled and that everyone knows that, they're welcomed and uh, I want to change their life for the better. There, there are a couple of things that, that strike me about that. Um, you know, one is that, that the, the initial renaming is to community fitness as opposed to CrossFit. And I think that that, and, and it may change, but I think that that is a, a, a good start um, for the kind of message that, that you want to send. Um, and, um, I don't know if you want to sort of say a word of, about that and sort of how, well, related to that is this idea. I've, I've thought a lot about this, about, and this is a question for Chris too, about, um, does a business have to make a stance in support of Black Lives Matter? And what does it mean if they don't? Um, and, uh, what does it mean if you continue to go to a CrossFit box as opposed to, uh, deciding that you don't want to be associated with that, you know, when do you need to make that decision, and and when you don't, when do you not have to make that decision? Um, um, but the statement "Black Lives Matters" obviously has its own connotation to it, right? Like people associate it with this uh, a political movement or whatnot. But I, what I really, I personally believe when I say this is that you're saying three words that have a whole meaning, whether you want to relate it to a political movement or not 
why is what is coming up within you a white person what is coming up inside of you that is so uncomfortable to say that are you afraid of alienating your cop friends are you afraid or clients are you afraid of being associated with the political movement and i just want to get it down to the core is like you we need to be able to say that comfortably that is it is it is wild that we're living in 2020 and we cannot comfortably say that right and that's where we start right and so um to me, it's like, I'm, I don't try to get into too much political stuff with the business because I don't have the skin for it in a lot of ways to be, I don't want to be attacking or be attacked. And, and, and I, again, I want to be, I want to bring people together. So um, that, yeah, that, but that needs to start with my, I, I don't, I'm not afraid to say that. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that that's understood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, Chris, I want to keep you in this conversation. Um, and, and there are, you know, the, to me, uh, the way that we do uh, our fitness, um, we used to just call it, you know, CrossFit, but um, brings about community. It just does in a way that, say, going to uh, a global gym may not. Um, and so at a very basic level, um, you know, we talked with Chris about the sort of political action that needs to happen uh, in, in, you know, at, at a local level. Within the box level, um, I'm sure there are things that we are thinking about and we can brainstorm about that will, will help us to promote and to live these ideals. Um, and I'm just curious sort of what your, what your initial thoughts are about that, both of you. Well, uh, you know, in response to, to that and your previous question, we're seeing all sorts of things from companies and brands, right? And um, Twitter is full of people saying, oh, look at XYZ. They said Black Lives Matter, but here's my experience there. Um, so, you know, so-called performative statements that aren't backed by action aren't useful. Uh, I think those companies should be quiet and just work on what they're doing. Um, and for most companies, it, um, what you do is, I mean, really for all companies, what you do is much more important. And so, yeah, creating that welcoming place and, um, and maybe there's a partnership with a local organization. I know that, that um, we have some and we're exploring some more, um, but ways that, that maybe the general public's never gonna know about because we're just doing it because it's the right thing to do, right? But uh, that's what I think is important. And, you know, someone who helps companies and organizations with their branding and communications, um, I'm, I'm kind of cynical about a lot of what I'm seeing lately. So what I respect about, about PVCF is that it's a genuinely welcoming place. And so, yeah, maybe there's um, some things to look at. I'm sure that there are, uh, ensuring that everyone is safe. I has said that. Um, but um, it's not about posting on social media, really. Although that's, that's one part of it. I mean, we should proactively say that, yeah, this is a safe space for everyone and that everyone is welcome, of course, but that's not enough is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. I, and if I may, you're, you know, this I think is, a, is an opportunity for, for you and I think you're taking it as such to sort of say, you know, there are some things, there are some ways you want to promote your gym 
and there, there are some things that you believe about what a fitness model should include and what it should look like. Um, is, is, this, is this an opportunity for you to move in that direction? And what are you thinking? Well, yeah, I mean, I've been working, I mean, we st- I'm started working with Chris on branding stuff because I mean, it's like, I'm kind of in an emergency branding situation, obviously, but um, this is actually an exciting opportunity to really, to, to dive into what I really wanted to always do since I took over the business is that um, I really wanted to get clear on who we are. And like, I, I think we have a general idea who we are, but like really get clear on who we are, who we want to um work with and what we want what kind of change we want to see in the world right so we gotta we gotta do that first and then from there um i mean we've cut i think we've only only ever done it so so and like this is an opportunity like okay we're no longer like gonna be associated with crossfit so that that changes the whole landscape so who are we and then from there what can we do right so and i appreciated chris kind of brought me a diagram and it was just like yes this is this we got to get the foundation first Mm-hmm. Um, then we can start taking some serious action because I don't want to do just lip service or things that are not genuine. I want to make sure it's totally in line with our values, totally in line with who we are. And it's something that we can follow through with. And it's not just going to be for now. It's going to be something that's a part of our business or a part of our community is maybe the better word um, or culture. So Right now, like I'm being really intentional. And if you know anything about me, I really try to be really intentional with everything I do. And I'm not trying to go too fast with it. Cause even though I'm like kind of in this push to get it done somewhat quickly. Um, and I think that's important that I, you know, some of these companies may just forget about all this after a few weeks, months or whatever. And I, I don't, I don't want to be that. Well, I, I think the fact that, that your founding of the fit community project, what we're, what we're doing now, you know, predated, this happening and and um so i think you're already a little bit down the road in terms of having some infrastructure of of people who are in a position and who are doing things to make the community more fit and i think that this um when you know with this happening with the black lives matter movement finally going where it needs to go in this country i think that um it, it's a welcome thing within our gym and it's something where we have um we've already started to to create capacity to to address a lot of challenges in our community um certainly the work that's happening with respect to uh outreach um you know recently for example we are donating a farm share to uh mana uh which is the local i guess you used to call it a soup kitchen but that provides um food for local folks um, as just one example of the kinds of things that we're hoping to do and we're hoping to have um, uh, a sort of consistent presence at uh, the facility where people uh, go uh, from, from the gym and donate their time and perhaps yeah. some money. Um, so I think, we're, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think that there's, there's, there's a, real, a real chance for these things to happen. Yeah, and I, you know, I see this as an, a, this is part of what the commit fit community project would be about. And naively, we didn't really consider this at the beginning of the onset and to, and, you know, and now our eyes are open to it and it expands what our reach for sure of what we can do. Um, and then to go into our same theory, what we're talking about, like what defines a fit, healthy community of racist or a, um, you know, 
or racism flowing through our local communities with to different degrees doesn't make us all healthy spiritually even or physically right so where does this now now where do we go with this right yeah right well, uh, Chris, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to come on the program and to, and to, to talk about the, you know, the work that, that you're doing and to illuminate <clears throat> us as to some of the things that are happening, happening locally. Um, last thoughts, Chris, as we, uh, as we move on out of here. Uh, I, you know, I've said this to you before, Tony, but, but don't be afraid to go a little bit lower on the wall ball. <laughs> <laughs> I have officially been no repped on the community oh, <laughs> Just bring some curiosity to that as well. You know, I, yeah. I, I've said this to you privately, but maybe it'll help someone else too. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate you both. I appreciate the community very much. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful to, to know so many good people who are trying to make the world better. And you know, it does, I think start with taking care of ourselves, um, yep. taking care of our bodies and eating well and all of that. It's all related to changing the world. Yep. I believe so. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. And, and we're, and I think we're willing and we want to listen if, if, if we aren't well enough, uh, we want to hear it. If, if we need to do more, we want to know, we want to hear it. We want to be open and learn and be responsive. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thanks. Chris. Okay. And, um, all right. We'll see you next time. Thank you both so much. Bye. Bye. Uh, well, welcome everybody. This is the Fit Community Project. And uh, I'm here as always with uh, co-hosts and owner of Pioneer Valley Community Fitness, Ian. Yep, hi. And uh, we're joined today by Chris Landry, uh, who is, I would describe as um, uh, an outspoken citizen with respect to the Black Lives Matter movement. Is that sort of a fair way to say it, Chris? It is a fair way to say it, yeah. I feel as a white man that I have a responsibility to speak to other white folks about what's going on in this moment. Right. And it, and it seems to me in looking at especially your Facebook feed that you're doing a lot of listening and learning and um, as opposed to leading and preaching. Well, yeah. And uh, thanks. That's, you know, that's, that's the job. And for me, this has been something I've had the really good fortune of learning from really amazing people, um, black and white and um, others. And, but yeah, our job as white people right now is to be supporting, lifting up the message of the movement for black lives, particularly, uh, and to not be coming up with our own interpretations and messages and demands, but just to be in a place where we step back, which we're not necessarily used to, and just uh, putting those voices in the center. Well, that's, that's, that's well put and well framed. And uh, I think with respect to today's conversation, and we could go a number of different ways, but I think there are two broad things that we want to talk about, or at least I, I want to talk about. You know, one is sort of what's happening, uh, what's happening locally with respect to the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and how PVCF uh, and its members can uh, join in and help. Um, and then the second 
topic is sort of what in particular a, um, a, a fitness community can do uh, in terms of making itself a, um, a voice for this kind of change, uh, both promoting it inside, uh, inside the gym and, and outside. I think those are sort of the two broad categories. I, does that make about sense about right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and Chris, you are also um, you are also a member of the Pioneer Valley uh, Community Fitness. Yeah, I've been uh, a participant in the fitness prescribed uh, program for about a year. Mm-hmm. And it's been over a year. Right? It's been a year or two years. It's getting close to two years. <laughs> it's almost two years. See, I can't yeah. keep track of time anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it's been it's been completely transformative for me. It's been an incredible part of my life. Yeah. Now, Chris and I have been friends for a long time. And what I would normally say now is something like, well, do you ever, you know, when do you expect to start seeing gains? This is exactly what he would normally have said. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, we're not, thank goodness we're, we're uh, not going there today. 